0: You may be seated as you're seated let's pray father we we thank you for the incredible privilege we have to worship you lord our, our response for what you've done is hallelujah our response is holy 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 and so lord now as we open your word would you speak to us Would you allow worship to increase in our hearts as we see the depths of what you've done on our behalf? You are worthy of our adoration. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. So Lord, as we look at your word, would you increase our praise? Would you increase our adoration as we live our lives? Lord, we give this time to you and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you will um, turn to Ephesians 2 1 or Ephesians two seventeen 17 through 19 is where we'll be there's a Bible in front of you it'll also be on the screens um, but it is good to be together this morning a um, um, few things before we get rolling um, Tim if you'd stand up Tim Talley's back from Thailand yeah uh, he spent four months there and he's now home so glad to have you back um, and uh I'm sure that if you, you didn't know, if you reconnect with Tim, he wants to spend the rest of the day down front talking to you. And so, anyway, I don't know why I did that to you. So, um, but um, this season is a time, I, I believe the, the Christmas season is a wonderful time because we get to press into Jesus. There's songs that say things like make room, like make room for him. And I believe that throughout the year, what, what can happen is life and busyness can get in the way, and it is a time where we press into Jesus, where we remember why He has come, and it's a time, and maybe hopefully, greater ways to consecrate our lives, our hearts to Him. And so, next uh, uh, next Saturday, Christmas Eve, three and five o'clock, we'll have our Christmas Eve services here, um, our Christmas Eve candlelight services here, as we worship together. Invite your friends, family, neighbors to come be a part of that as we press into the Lord. Christmas morning, um, I. I think there's no more appropriate time to gather together to celebrate the birth of our Savior in the morning that we celebrate that He was born. And so we'll be doing that next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. I hope that you can be at that. And then on New Year's, um, New Year's Day, we'll be gathering at 10 a.m. also. I'm giving you all the time, so you got it? Um, we'll be gathering at 10 a.m. also um, for a one-service worship time. And on, on New Year's Day, I hope that as we've pressed into the Lord and one of the things he does in this season is prepares us for new days and new time ahead. I don't know if any of you have been thinking about your resolutions yet. You're waiting until maybe after Christmas. But there are, it is a season, whether we laugh about it or not, that we, we get to take new steps and move forward in our faith and in our life. So on January 1st, we'll be looking at Isaiah 6 together. So when Isaiah stands before the Lord, he sees him in all of his glory and he says, Woe is me. I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. When we press into the Lord, one of the things that happens is we see him rightly, and we see ourselves rightly. And that's what Isaiah does. He bows down before before the Lord, and his response then is, Lord, here am I, send me. And maybe that isn't to a distant land or for the specific purpose that God had for Isaiah, but for each of us, I hope as we start the new year, we consecrate our hearts in a fresh way to the Lord, saying, God, whatever you want from me in the year ahead, that's what I want. So now you're like, well, why do I got to come, Ryan? You already preached the sermon. So uh, come, there's more. And so um, that'll be the first. And then on January 8th, we'll begin a series called Living Generously. And really, in the first part of the year, what does it mean for us in our lives to respond to the generosity Christ has shown us in every facet in our lives of being grateful people in our relationships, in our community? with our finances, with every piece of who we are, responding well to God uh, by living a generous life. So those are some of the things that are coming ahead, so you can't say you didn't know. And uh, I, hope, um, I hope you will be, um, again, blessed in the next few days as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, as we press into him more. So let's read together now Ephesians 2, 17 through 19. Ephesians two seventeen through 19 reads, And he came and preached peace to you, he came, preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Let's pray one more time. Father, we pray that you would help us to see the depths of the truths that you reveal in this text. Jesus, even as we begin to look at it, we believe that you are the Prince of Peace, that peace truly comes through you. Jesus, we believe that that fulfillment, complete fulfillment and peace comes through you. So, Lord, we believe your word is true. Help us to see the depths of it. Help it to press into the depths of our lives and help it to identify and define us. Lord, help us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So Christmas season, I... Growing up, um, my, my, my mom's um, mother had passed away when I was really young, and my, my step-grandmother, um, Grandma Roberta, or Grandma Bert, as I, um, which I just found out recently she didn't like that name, so I called her a name she didn't like most years of her life, she would give presents. <clears throat> and her presents now, my grandma Bert was, um, she was the postmaster at a very small post office in rural Iowa, where she was the only. Person in the post office. That's why she was the postmaster. And uh, <clears throat> she would get us gifts at Christmas time. And you never quite knew. There was, there was a bit of this anxiety going to Christmas because you didn't know if you were going to be embarrassed, happy, or sad when you received a gift from Grandma Burt. And uh, I remember when I was 10 years old, she got me a bottle of Polo Cologne, um, which I still have today. Um, <laughs> I, I wore it this morning. Deb didn't get close to me as I left the house. And, uh, um, and as a 10-year-old, you opened it, and it was like, I don't know what to do. Like, what is this? Other people have toys. Like, I have cologne. Um, a, 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 a year after that, she got me a globe, which I, at that point in my life, I didn't know that like anything existed outside of Iowa, so I'm like standing with a globe like, <laughs> what, what do you do with this? Like, I have a globe. My teachers have this. Why do I have this? And so... Um, um, another year, she, she was worked at a post office, so typically it was post office kind of gifts. She got me a stamp a sweatshirt, and it had a dog with a pheasant in its mouth, <laughs> which I still wish that I had today, because then I could be as cool as Matt Brumfield, because he wears that stuff all the time. And uh, and so, but but going to Christmas, uh, there was I don't know if any of you have those stories, yeah, of of people that gave gifts, and you're just like, I don't know what's coming next. And there's this anxiety about the gifts that are being given. Um, One of the things that I think is true about the Christian faith, most of us don't want to admit it, but there's some sort of anxiety, maybe even for some of coming to church, anxiety of pressing in toward Jesus because we, we don't know quite what's ahead. There's an anxiety of what's going to be revealed. There's an anxiety of what are they going to make me do. There's this anxiety. Now, I know for me, when I would go to wherever we were having Christmas, it was on the way there, sort of anxiety. My brothers were there to commiserate with me, so the anxiety was decreased. But for you today, maybe you come to a place where pressing in um, is hard for you. Well, I want to tell you something as we begin to look at this text today that the greatest thing you can ever do is press into Jesus because all that he has is good gifts for you. Even if there's hard things that you need to do to receive them, they will be the greatest gifts. And notice I said gifts. It's not just salvation is the greatest gift we can receive. But see, he doesn't just stop there. There is so much more for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he reveals those to us. And in this text today, he reveals some deeper deep, deep truths about not just what he has done, but what he has made us. Because Jesus came, salvation is possible. Because Jesus came, the wrath of God is no longer poured out on those who are in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus has come, we have the ability to be resurrected from the dead. These are deep truths, but, but not only do we have these hopes, which are incredible, but there is another truth, and we read it a minute ago, that you are citizen, that you are a saint, that you are a member of the household of God. All that is his is yours in Christ Jesus. The gifts are unending from him. Two big things that we see in the passage we read. The first is Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Now this is a common phrase with with Christmas season prince of peace you may have it in your again I said this a few weeks ago you may have it blown up in your front yard right waving in the cold icy wind of northeast ohio but jesus is our prince of peace and we see it in this text it says and he came verse 17 the incarnation of christ he stepped down And he entered into the world. Talked about it a few weeks ago that he stepped down. Literally, he got off the platform and throne of heaven. He stepped down and he came down and he walked amongst us. The God of the universe stepped down and was born in a manger, a lowly birth unlike any other. Born of a virgin, Jesus came, unique, one of a kind, none like him. And he entered into this world. And when he came and entered in this world, he had a message. And it says in this text that he preached peace. He preached a message of peace. Not only in this time in history, but in all times of history, there's not really any where you could look back historically and say there was great peace. Because see, for all time and eternity and all the way back to the fall of man, there has been death, there has been illness, and there has been disease, and there has been drought, and there has been struggle and trial because this world is deeply deeply broken and in the midst of the brokenness Jesus steps down and he says peace peace to those who are far off peace to those who are near resounding back to Isaiah the prophecies of Isaiah Isaiah 59 peace peace to the to those that are far and to the near says the Lord and I will heal them it's so what Jesus proclaimed in Luke 24 and 20, peace to you, peace be with you. It's what he, what he said to the woman as she grabbed him. She turned around, he healed him, and he, he proclaimed peace over her life. When the seas were raging and storming, he said, peace, and everything became still. Jesus came proclaiming a message of peace, but not peace to the physical things, peace to the individual, peace to us, each that are gathered here to get today. What he desires for you is rest, peace, not unrest, not discomfort, not, not the broken things of life, but peace deep inside of us. And again, he said it, peace to those who are far off, to the Jew, and peace to those who are near the Gentile. And in this text, in a minute, we're going to see that he creates a third category for those who are in Christ Jesus. But at this point in time, there was this major separation from two groups of people the Jews, the people of God, and the Gentiles, those who are cast away. And what he's saying is that I've come bringing salvation for all people. And even the most outside, cast away, far from, I'm going to bring in. And he says, not only am I going to bring them in, but I'm going to bring them peace, the deepest thing that they need, the deepest thing they desire. And then he, he came, he preached peace, and then it says, through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. In him we have access, meaning that we can come into his presence, that we can, we can enter into, to, to his, into his space in one spirit, unified through his work alone that Jesus did for us on the cross. To the Father, God, creator, everlasting, the I am we can have access in one spirit to the Father. Ephesians 3.12 says this, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him and through our faith in Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, in which we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. See, in this we we have access, we have peace in Jesus Christ. But for many of us, maybe you don't feel like it's very easy to move into the throne, into the presence of Jesus. Maybe for some, peace is something that people think you have, but it's something distant. It's a smile you put on a face rather than something deep inside of your heart. So Christmas season always comes for us like this. Hey, when are we going to put up the decorations? I don't know if you ever have that question in your house. And my answer, typically, to that would be something to about, a, like, how about, like, early December? And Debbie, I think if she could put up Christmas decorations, like, July 1st, right? She would. Like, that's, like, she loves it. And we have this kind of debate of how many trees should a house have. Does any of you do... Am I alone in this? Guys, raise your hand if this is a thing with you and your spouse. Anybody? Or in your home? Yeah. How many trees should we have? Okay. And so Deb thinks we should have like 82. (laughs) Right? Would that be good? Yeah, that would be good. And I think we should have one, basically. One very lopsided, like ornament, like, you know, you have little kids. All the ornaments go low and on one side. You have to teach proportions and how we have to even this thing out. And as we get older, right, we just get these, like, we have a lot of craft, like, ornaments on one tree. And so it's like big pictures of kids and papers, and they want to put everything on the tree, right? That's our life and our family. And when we begin to decorate, you have to move everything around, especially if you have multiple trees. This is like rearranging the furniture. It's a much bigger thing than putting up a tree, so we're moving furniture around, and you have, to, you have to really prepare your house to prepare for Christmas, and then, right, that's how this works. And again, you have to move things around. And I think, I think to receive the peace, to experience the access, is, it is kind of like this. We have to prepare room in our home for Christmas to come and to celebrate and to decorate and all those things. But if you're in a place in your life where you're not experiencing the peace of Christ, And maybe you're looking at him saying, hey, why aren't you doing this? What's up? I don't feel, or I don't feel like I have access to you. I don't feel close. Well, maybe there's some stuff in the corner of your house that's really hindering you from experiencing his peace. Maybe there's some things that need to be moved around in your home so that you can have access to him. See, access is available. Peace is readily available to us. But in our hearts, there's things that we love That we're believing that peace is going to come through. And so we keep those things and we dust them off and we keep them clean, we keep them nice in our house because we think that someday these are magically going to do it. But I would just say to you that there's nothing in our life that will bring us peace except Jesus. There's nothing in our life that will bring us fulfillment except Jesus. We lit a candle with two people today that God has brought together that have found very difficult, and, and they didn't even share the full of their stories, in very difficult ways that nothing in life can bring peace, nothing in life can bring fulfillment but Jesus Christ. See, we, we must push in and see that this gospel, this gospel of, of what Jesus has done, it leaves us humble and an uplifted. This God who steps down and dies. We sang about it this morning in the song, Hallelujah. Um, I know it was my sins that nailed you there. I don't know if that gripped you in just those words alone. I know it was my sins that nailed you there. Your cross was my cross too, that God stepped down and willfully died for us on the cross. It, It is so humbling to think that he would do that for me to bring me peace, to bring me access, but it's also my response is adoration, it's uplifting, it's I want to glorify you, I want to worship you with my life because of what you've done, what you've done. See, Jesus came to bring peace into this broken world because the reason he came is there was no peace. Hebrews, right? They, the, the, the Jews of old would have said it like this: that peace be with you, shalom is the word. And shalom was what was broken in the garden. See, there was this peace of God and man, this unity. And when sin entered this world, shalom was gone. Death and destruction, it enters into the experience of our world, and peace does not exist. In this world, all through the Old Testament, what we see is the lack of shalom, the lack of peace, the lack of peace. And then he comes. And now peace is available to us. It is the very nature of who he is. Jesus is peace. This is why he can be called the Prince of Peace. It's not something he gained. It's not something he achieved. It's who he is. See, the shalom came to the children of wrath that we might become the children of God and experience his peace. An old hymn says it like this. When I surveyed the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Love so amazing, so divine... Demands demands my soul, my life, and my all. What Jesus has done demands more from our lives. When we look at the cross, when we look at what he's done, it demands worship and adoration from our lives. When we come into a relationship with Christ, there's an invasion in our lives of the life of God if we are in Christ. There's no more unrest needed. Peace has come. The cross is sufficient. See, our unrest causes us to be people who are constantly seeking for something more. It's like John the Baptist who, at the edge of his life and then death, he said, Jesus, are you the one or should we wait for someone else? And I would just say to us in the room today, there is no one else. Jesus has come and his peace is available to us. Now, some of you may be in a place where maybe you have been a Christian a lot of your life. Maybe peace is something, or even Jesus, the Prince of Peace, or maybe even some of the things that I'm saying today are things like, yeah, I know that. Come on, Ryan, dig a little deeper. I don't think there's much deeper than the peace of Christ. And just to share with you for a minute, I think when we're angry, and when we gossip, and when we're harsh, and when we're judgmental, because peace isn't in us. And we think by putting somebody else down, maybe, maybe that'll make me happy. Maybe I'll look better. And I'm looking for peace somewhere, in some way, in some form, in some fashion. See, the sin of our life really just says that I'm in unrest. I, I don't have peace, and so I'm going to beat somebody else up to have it. I'm going to try to find it in this thing over there. I'm going to find it and try to find it in this relationship or that relationship. And the reality is, peace is the thing we long for and we need most. Peace is the message of Christmas, is that he came. The peace that this world didn't have has now come. And not only has this peace come, the second thing we see in the, in the passage is not only has peace come, but our fulfillment has come. And I don't need to find fulfillment in anything else but Jesus Christ it says. Second thing we see is Jesus is our fulfillment. It says in verse 19, so then, so, so then, as a result of peace, as a result of our, our life in Christ, now that we have access, we are no longer... I once was. I was something else. I was a stranger. I was unknown by God. I was an alien. I had no home. I had no belonging to my Creator. I had no access. We no longer are strangers and aliens, but we are citizens, saints, members of the household of God. That now, because of what Jesus has done, and I am now through Christ a citizen, I belong. Every race, creed, and color now has access to him. And notice in here, he doesn't say that the Jews and Gentiles are citizens, that Jews and Gentiles are saints, The Jews and Gentiles are members of the household of God. He says there's one race. There's one people that will come into my presence and they are one and they are all citizens of the kingdom of God. They are all saints in my eyes and they are all members of the household of God, not because of their works, not because of their background, not because of their creed, not because of their color, not because of their lineage, but because of Jesus Christ and the work that he completely did on the cross for all peoples of all times, of all races, of all creeds, of all colors. It says that we are citizens that we have belonging. It says that we are saints, not just, not, not just made right before God, but he deems us as saints, holy ones, righteous, not in our own, but fully accredited to Jesus. A passage, Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You may have heard that verse before. But see, 24 says, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus not only, right, I am a sinner and I need deeply grace, but now I am justified by his grace as a free gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So through Jesus, I am, I am a saint. I am holy because he has come. I can be a member of the household of God, the family of God, the deep familiar relationship with the Father. I can now have and reciprocate back and forth to him and to others now in this world. I finally can love him well and others well see, these truths, citizens, saints, and members of the household of God, I don't know if you, if you believe in Christ Jesus, do you believe this today, that you're a citizen, a saint, and a member of the household of God? Say amen if you believe that, right? Well, if you believe that, then the question really, and I believe a lot of us believe this, but have you appropriated that truth deep into your heart and life? See, I believe that one of the major journeys of the Christian faith It's not recognizing truth, but appropriating truth into my heart. Do I live and behave as a citizen of the kingdom of God? Is my citizenship in heaven what drives me and what moves me, where my hope is found and where my life is found? Oftentimes for me as a pastor, I see this mostly with people in hospital rooms at the moments before someone goes to be with Jesus. This week I got to spend time with... The Kime family, Paul and Janine, their kids, Jim Williams, her father, went to be with the Lord this week. And there was a reality that happened, and it always is like this with people who have faith and who believe, and they are a family of deep faith. And there's a moment when you sit with them, when you stand with them, when you visit with them, There is something more. There is a citizenship beyond this. And many times in life, we don't have to deal with it when it's that confronted, when it's that tight. But they believed. And there is a peace in the midst of incredible sadness that you can't explain. There's a joy in the midst of somewhat of despair, of not knowing what we're going to do when the four... Two children, mom and dad, become three. It's one thing to say that I'm a citizen. It's another thing to appropriate that truth and causes me to behave in different ways as I live my life. Appropriating the truth that I am a saint, that I don't have to do anything else except respond to the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ died for me, place my full faith and confidence in him, and I am made a saint the second I believe. Because there is nothing about my works that can save me, only through the blood of Christ am I saved. I don't have to do another thing for Jesus. He has done the work in full for me, but in recognizing that full work he has done for me, there is nothing I wouldn't do for him. You say, well, Ryan, you're saying the same thing. I'm really not. See, faith and works, they're responsive to the faith and work that has been done on our behalf. See, you, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are a saint. And in Jesus, you need nothing else but him. And not only are you a citizen, a saint, are we, we are members of the household of God. That I have access I have, I have members of my household. I always joke that I don't believe in evolution, right? But it kind of makes me the way my children climb all over me, right? Like I got kids like climbing on my head, picking in my eardrums. Like I got kids all over me in my life. And there's something about the access that my, that my household has to me. There's really nothing of mine that my children can't have or cannot have access to. They play in my office, they play under my chairs, they, they, do, they, they climb on my head, they mess up my hair. I mean, they do all these things in my life. And if you're a father, if you're an aunt, if you're an uncle, you get that when you're a part of a family, when you're a part of a household, everything is accessible. I mean, do you hear the father saying this, that you are members of his household because Jesus has come? You have access to everything that is the father's. But it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I believe that. But it's another thing to appropriate that truth deep in my heart and say, no, no, like, I I believe that. And I'm going to behave in my life with this as a reality. Because, see, it's a reality that you're a citizen. It's a reality that you're a saint. And it's a reality that you are a member of the household of God. And it's a reality that peace and fulfillment are yours in Christ Jesus. You can fight him on it, but they're yours. So we have everything we need in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus came really for two reasons. He came to deal with sin, one, for the sake of our lives, for the sake of resurrecting our lives from the dead, two. He came for our sins for the sake of resurrecting our lives. If Jesus did nothing else than that, we would have every we would we would adore him and worship him and praise him paying for our sin and giving us hope of resurrection but see he does so much more than we could ever think or fathom again when we press in it is unending the gifts it's unending what he gives us citizens saint members of the household no longer a stranger no longer an alien that I now have access to the Father through Christ Jesus in one spirit with other people, the message of peace is still mine in Christ. So we all have a deep need in us, and we've been, I've been saying it all morning. Jesus will provide for you and me the deepest longings of our heart, and the deepest longings of our heart, I believe, is for peace. It was a peace that was experienced. It was the peace that was not experienced before he came, and the peace that is now available in him. The deepest thing this world needs is what Christmas proclaims. We need a Savior, that we were in darkness, and we need light, and Jesus is the light that has come. This morning, the question isn't: do you believe that Jesus is collectively together, our Prince of Peace and our fulfillment. The question is, do you believe that he is your Prince of Peace and he is your fulfillment? And I think at Christmas, this wouldn't be a better time to answer that question. The one we celebrate his birth, is he your Prince of Peace? Is he the one that you're going to place faith in? In whatever storm, whatever struggle, whatever trial, And say that I'm going to trust in you. Will you come? And will you speak peace over my life? Will you help me to find rest in you alone? And maybe that means there's some things that need to move around your house. Move around your life for you to fully experience the peace that is yours in him. Maybe this Christmas will be a time for you to say, Jesus is my fulfillment the things I deeply want and long for, I'm going to stop running to empty wells to find them. For the young teenager in the room that's looking to relationships and other things in your life, education, whatever it might be. Sorry, parents, I just said that, right? Whatever these things might be in your life that you're trying to find fulfillment in, maybe it's for you to say, Jesus, you are my fulfillment, and I don't have to find it in anything else. Maybe it's for the adult that secretly you are trying to find your fulfillment in all kinds of things, and nobody in the world knows it. And maybe this Christmas you'd say, Jesus, and you, you are my fulfillment, and I'm gonna stop running to empty places that distance me from you rather than place me in the closer access with you. Maybe for those of you who are in a really good place with the Lord, you're walking with Him, you're experiencing His peace, and his fulfillment. Maybe it's a reminder for you today. And if it is, I I hope it encourages you. For the one who's feeling distant, you've given your life to the Lord years ago, but you're feeling distant. You don't feel like you have access to you, feel like you don't have peace. I would just say to you, it's peace is there. Jesus is not the issue. We are. And what are the things that you need to do to press in to him? What are the things that you need to do to experience his his peace? And I'd encourage you, do whatever you have to. It's worth it to experience it. What I've found in my own life is the hardest things that he asked me to do to find that. Whatever they cost you, they're worth it. Because in the end, peace with him is greater than peace with anything else in this world. And for those that don't know him, maybe today would be the first time where you'd experience the peace of God, the fulfillment that he has for you because Jesus did come. He stepped down from heaven and he walked amongst us and he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose. For you and for me, your sins nailed his hands to the cross. Your sins were paid for by Jesus' blood being poured out on the cross. And today, by placing your faith in him, you can have peace, and you can have fulfillment, and it can be found nowhere else. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we believe, Jesus, we believe that you came. We believe that you lived a perfect, sinless life. And we believe you died the death on the cross that we deserved, that you took our judgment, that you took the wrath that was ours, and you took it blow by blow for us. To pay for our sin through your resurrection, knowing now that we can defeat death through you, that we can rise. And even more, Jesus, that you've made us saints and citizens and members of your household. or that in you we are holy. In you we have a place. In you we have the love we so long for. So wherever each person finds themselves here this morning, Jesus, would you collectively help us to find peace in you and fulfillment in you? This morning, those that haven't, Lord, maybe for the first time, and those that have, increasingly today. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this season. We thank you for coming. And we thank you for all the implications for us because you came. Be with us now as we sing. Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as we sing. The altars are open. Maybe you need to come pray for someone else. Maybe someone distant from God that this season they would return or turn for the first time. Maybe for yourself, a peace that you long for, a fulfillment you need. The altars are open for you to pray as we sing.